What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Verzi Effect Podcast Show. My name is Paul Verzi, and today is Monday, January 20th, 2014. You guys are listening to episode 145. Um, that's right, I'm almost back on schedule here doing this at the beginning of the week. Uh, we are about to have a big snowstorm here in New York. We're looking at about, I think, um, 6 to 10 inches starting um, sometime tomorrow morning. And um, I got kids in the house that are sick. I'm going to talk about that. Something's going around. And um, yeah, I'm going to talk about that and, um, you know, get into this whole thing. Uh, Martin Luther King Day. So we were home today. Looks like with the snow, we're going to be home tomorrow. And uh, we'll get right into this. Episode 145, man, I can't believe it. Five away from 150. 55 away from 200 episodes. Starting to feel like this fucking podcast is The Simpsons, man. I'm going to keep going. Just keep going with this. So, um, all right, well, we'll get right into it. I want to, first of all, uh, well, I'll tell everybody... um, where I was, I was, uh, this week, this past week, I performed over at McGooby's Joke House in, uh, Timonium, Maryland, which is basically, it's, it's kind of just like a sub, it's basically Baltimore, I was, I was like, you know, my hotel was in downtown Baltimore, and then it's like a seven minute drive, so, so I guess technically it was Timonium, but, um, it's Baltimore's premier comedy club, uh, 300 plus seats, um, I think they said they could get to 400, but it was one of my first like headlining my own like really big, nice premier comedy clubs. Um, you know, I do that right now. Like I'm moving, I have the transition of moving as a feature act, which is the second guy I'm starting to, you know, transition. I would say maybe like 70, 30, 70, 30, or, you know, hopefully trying to get it closer this year to 50, 50 of featuring to, um, to headline. For the people that don't know what I'm talking about, featuring is, um, you know, for a professional comedy show, there's a host, there's a feature, and then there's a headliner. And um, I was just really um, thrilled to have this opportunity. I was out with um, Joe Matteris over at uh, Magoobie's maybe six, seven months ago, and it went really well, and I got the opportunity to come back and headline myself, and it was great. And I'm starting to do it in more and more clubs, and um, I really appreciate the opportunity. And, And it was so cool because... Um, you get nervous when you headline because when you're when you're hosting or you're featuring there's no pressure on you for like numbers or how it's gonna be and you always like you know you feel like oh shit like I'm headlining now because there's such a difference I mean the time difference even some people think oh well what's the difference between 25 and 45 fucking a lot of difference you know a lot of difference and um, you know I was nervous because I just wanted numbers. I wanted people to be there. I wanted the people, you know, because anytime somebody gives you that opportunity, you know, an owner, a booker or somebody, they give you an opportunity to, to come into their club and, and be the headliner and be the face of of the weekend or the week at that club, you know, you don't want it to be dead. So you're always thinking about that. And um, I just pulled into the parking lot, um, like right before showtime on Friday night, I had I drove from New York about four hours, you know, with traffic and stopping to get gas and all that stuff. It probably took about, you know, like yeah, four and a half. And I didn't really have time to settle into my hotel. So I get to the club and I'm nervous. I'm pulling in and it's a Friday night and I'm like, man, it's a winter. I don't know if this is going to be. And the place was, 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 you know, busy, man. It was really busy. There was a ton of cars there. It was a line and it was great. And, and listen, it's not all me. This is a great comedy club that does great. I mean, the, the comedy club does great business in the winter. It's, uh, you know, it's, it's not me, but you just feel like that, you know, when you're the headliner, you don't want like it to be empty, but, uh, the place does a gr- great business and Saturday show. Uh, the, the second, the, the second one on Saturday was almost sold out. It was, you know, close to 300 people. So it was just, it was, uh, awesome, man. And, and everybody, the crowds were great. The club is great. The staff, the owner's cool as hell. So I, I just, uh, had a great time and I want to thank everybody who came out to the show, people that came up to me afterwards and spoke to me. Um, you know, unfortunately I wasn't selling my album because it's not going to be done until, um, the end of the spring or beginning of the summer, but, uh, I will be back out there with it for sure. And, um, 
Again, if you're in that area, Magoobie's Joke House in Baltimore, it's a market that I never thought that I was going to really want to continue to go back to and, and stuff, and I didn't really know too much about the Baltimore market, but uh, just being down there with uh, Matt Arise and then coming back to headline myself was a, was an awesome, awesome time, great experience. Uh, you know, on many levels, and you feel like you grow as a comic because you're just doing so much time, and you're just having fun with these people, and it's busy and great. So, thanks everybody. Um, you know, if you got me on Twitter, if you enjoyed the show, if you're listening to this and you were in the crowd, that was great. Uh, all the shows were great, no problems really. One lady, one lady thought she was more important than she was. She tried talking to me. I shut her down real quickly. She was drunk. She was a pain in the ass. She started a fight about her bill or something and walked out, and I kind of trashed her when she left. And uh, other than that, everything was pretty much fine, and, and, and it was just an awesome time. So uh, there you go. Now I have a story about this because I did see a movie. As a matter of fact, I'm going to talk about two movies, but I did see a movie. And um, I will get into the review of the movie later in the podcast during the movie section, Okay. But I first want to um, talk about what happened. Now, uh, you guys heard on the show, I have a, um, a buddy down in um, the Baltimore area, the uh, a young comedian, Greek comedian Stavros, who was on my show. Uh, I got introduced to Stavros because he was the host when I was down there with Matt Arise bef- before this time. So I became cool with him and... Uh, you know he was so cool and and you know helped try to help me get into the club. Was telling the owner, man, you got to you got to get let let Paul Verzi get in here and and he, you know so I wanted him to feature for me. You know I figured he'll feature for me when I go down to headline. But he was recently at the club and they like to rotate comedians and stuff. But we're still gonna hang out. So. I was like, dude, I haven't seen a movie. I said, I've been talking about on my podcast how I'm going to see a movie. I, I need to see a movie. Um, there's two movies that I have in mind. Number one, hands down, without a doubt, I got to see The Wolf of Wall Street. Got to see The Wolf. Got to see The Wolf. That's I, you know, that's I, I just had to see that movie. Okay. Scorsese, three hours. DiCaprio, I'm in. I'm in. Okay. So he's like, done. You know, my next movie was Lone Survivor. So... It was between The Wolf of Wall Street and Lone Survivor. Now, this is a, this is unbelievable what happens, okay, to, to get to this movie. So, I get to Baltimore, do the shows on Friday, go back to my hotel, talk to Stav, and I'm like, look, man, tomorrow, let's meet up around like 1 o'clock or like 12 o'clock, whatever, one, we'll eat, we'll go to a movie, perfect, he had to go do a show in D.C., I go to the, to the, to the Magoobies, and, and, and it's all good, yeah, done, so for whatever reason that morning, everybody, talk, everybody I talked to that day, I don't know, I'm talking to my, just everybody who, for some reason, I just, it was one of those days where you just, you're on the phone, like people are just calling, and then, and then, and then, uh, call waiting, so I just talked to Stavros. I said, yeah, meet me downstairs in my, at, at the hotel at this time. So we get down there, and he's like, all right, Wolf of Wall Street, where is it playing? We looked at theaters. Okay, that's a good thing. That's a good place. And I said, um, all right, let's go to that one. That time works. Let's do that. And we get in the car, and Stavros realizes after like 15 minutes of driving, oh, fuck, he's going the wrong way. So now, because of that mistake, we probably can't sit down and eat a lunch. We have to, you know, probably, so I'm like, you know, whatever, man, we're both easy going. We weren't like, oh, fuck, you know, we was like, okay, cool. Well, you know what? We'll go, we'll grab something real quick, like a sandwich or something real quick. We'll eat it for 10 minutes, however long it takes. We'll go into the theater. That's fine. So we're going and we're kind of rushing and now it's getting close. By the time we get to the theater and the mall next to the theater, we have about like 13 minutes before the show starts. Show's going to start at 2.05. So he takes me to this place, and it's called the, the Owings Mills Mall, which is like their second-rate shitty mall. You know that joke? Chris Rock used to have a joke where he said, uh, there's, used to, there's a mall people go... No, he goes, there's the mall and then the mall that people used to go to. Well, this was clearly the mall that people used to go to. And we walk in, and like we're, we have like no time, and we're like, fuck, the only thing we could do is food court at this point. Now, the AMC theater that we were going to isn't connected to the mall. So you actually have to leave the mall and go across a parking lot to get to this thing. It's not connected. 
But we need to eat because we're starving. It's 2 o'clock and neither of us ate. It's been a clusterfuck morning between phone calls, going in the wrong direction, and all this shit. All right? So I'm not even kidding or exaggerating or trying to be funny now. That's the beautiful thing about what I'm about to tell you because you can't write this. Okay? This is a fucking comedy script. I walk into this fucking food court and I swear to God it was the saddest, most horrific unexplicably depressing, horrible food court. There might have been four restaurants with like old, old rest, like, like, like the first Subway sign that was ever made for Subway was on one of them. There was one, it was called the Big Bean Theory. It was, and then there was like that typical, like, Asian one where they're cooking stuff and then like one or two other depressing like in the corner like the mall was like shut down gates were down on stores at two o'clock in the afternoon so there's one place with a couple of people because they're like steaming up teriyaki chicken it was the only place that looked normal and we're both on a diet and trying to do good so like all right listen we'll get teriyaki chicken and he's like yeah we'll do no rice over double vegetables we'll eat that and we'll go and of course, they run out of chicken when we get there. They got to put all this. They put all this fresh fucking poultry, seasoned, sitting in a marinade. They throw it on this hot grill, and we got to wait like ten minutes. Okay, with like thirteen minutes till showtime. So by the time the chicken is done, and a, and a line of people came because that's the only place that was probably edible in this place. I mean, I this was, I wouldn't commit suicide in this mall. Suicide is too good for this place. I could not believe where I was. And me and Stav were just laughing because the jokes just kept coming. Two comedians in a shithole. We were just having a great time with it. So now we get the food and we have three minutes till 2.05. And then we're like, all right, but there's previews. So I'm shoveling. I'm just shoveling um, hot, steaming hot teriyaki chicken and, and these vegetables in my face. And Stavros is like, man, there's no way I'm going to finish this. And it started, now it's like 2.13, the movie's already like 10. So we start running to his car to, to go across the parking lot. So he's like, fuck it, let's, I'm, I threw mine out because I ate all my chicken. I made sure that I ate all the teriyaki chicken and I ate whatever vegetables I could. Then I throw it out and I'm like, oh, we got to get to the movie. Stavros was like, you know, he's like fucking full on Greek, like wants to enjoy his meal. And don't get me wrong, I do too. But like he was taking his time and he's like, fuck this. He's like, I got an H&M bag. <laughs> he goes, I got an H&M bag in my car. I got some clothes in there. I'm going to put the chicken and the fucking vegetables in the bottom of the bag. I'm going to put some clothes on it. And I'm going to act like we just went shopping. So I'm like, I'm just laughing, like whatever you got to do, you know, whatever. You know, it's a three hour movie, hopefully 20 minute preview. So we run. And everything was taking long. Getting the food took long. Getting Just getting around was just taking long. We were late because of, you know, going the wrong way. Like, everything was just taking longer. Phone calls early in the morning. Everything it was just one of those days. You know when the shit just is like, it just takes too long. Just everything just takes too long. And... So I start running out of the parking lot to go. And uh, I told Stavros, I was like, listen, man, um, I got your ticket. Whatever. I'm just... And he's fucking putting assembling this this bag which is going to be steaming and smelling like chicken what like like nobody's going to know you know who brings a bag into and it was like a bag like it wasn't just like this little like it was a fucking big bag and i so i'm far i'm probably like like two football field a football field in front of him and i go in and i just see him behind me holding this big bag to get in and we get in and we finally get there and of course there's only one person at the cashier now it's 217 okay so you figure by the time and, and we have to wait probably five minutes by the time we get tickets to get it so we're probably going to go in maybe right at the time the movie starts but whatever we've kind of accepted the fact that if we're going to miss five minutes of the movie we're going to miss five minutes of, of a three-hour movie that's fine you know I, you guys have been hearing me talk on the podcast i just want to see this damn movie at this point i, I don't care i just got to go and see this movie okay so i get to i get to the um the line and they're, they're taking long and this lady's asking questions and people are taking and then you know when somebody gets their change but they're still kind of taking care of their change at the thing and I've done that sometimes because you want to organize your wallet and shit but I'm not in the mood for it so finally finally they leave we get up to the thing we're fucking out of breath we're hustling and I just go oh my god here I go two for Wolf of Wall Street 
Woof. And I swear to God, as happy as he could have sounded, he goes, oh, it's sold out. Sold out. Wolf of Wall Street is sold out. And I just look, and Stavros just goes, oh, we didn't think of that. And I'm going, you got to be shitting me. You got to be shitting me right now. And now we're like, all right, you know what? That was just the, what we just went through to do this running around and, and, and all this stuff and the food and racing all to have it you know, sold out, whatever. So I'm like, now I, at least we can breathe. Let's go see a 4 o'clock. 4 o'clock will be done at 7. My show's at 7.30. I'll go right to the show, or if I have to go to my hotel for 10 minutes, I'll go, you know, it's fine. Uh, I'm going on later on in the show, so I, uh, let's do that. And he's like, yeah, and he had to go to D.C. He thought he had to be there earlier. He didn't have to be there, I think, till like 10. So we're like, yeah, you know what, we'll see you at 3.30 or 4 o'clock. We don't have to panic now. We'll find another theater. And every damn theater we looked for, the timing was wrong. There was like 4.45s, 5 o'clocks, everything that was enough to just be too long to screw up my my night and just not working. So I'm sitting there and I'm going, oh my God, this is sucks. So now we're like, all right, Lone Survivor. Lone Survivor, true story, was a book about this guy who, you know, went through, I mean, absolute hell. So we're looking for that and we're looking for that. And none of those times are looking good. And now I'm like, are we not going to see a movie? And then finally we saw one theater and he goes, dude, that place is kind of the neighborhood. You know, it's kind of not the nicest theater. It's kind of shitty. And I was like, well, come on, dude. I mean, whatever. Let's just go. I mean, it's, it's you know, so it was a 330 Lone Survivor in this place, uh, Woodlawn, Maryland. Well, we're going to Woodlawn. He goes, yeah, I guess it's not that bad. We go there and this fucking place made the Owning Mills Mall that we went to look like the new shit. I mean, this place was movie theater from like 1988, 1989. Shitty, rundown, like stained seats. Just beat. I mean, they, they were playing. They were still playing fucking Medea's Christmas. I even messed with the lady at the thing. I was like, it, it was funny. There was this. Uh, it was like a movie. There was like this black chick with like a wool hat on just sitting there kind of just going through her job and everything. And I go, yeah, you guys still got a couple left for Medea's Christmas? And she kind of stopped and looked and she's like, that's not till 930 tonight. And then she kind of leaned forward and she goes, you really want to see Medea's Christmas? And I just started laughing. I was like, no, nah, man, I'm messing around with you. And she started genuinely laughing. She was really cool about it. And I was like, no, nah, can we get um, two for Lone Survivor? And we, we were early, we got our stuff, and, um, and uh, you know, Stavros did not bring his, bring his H&M bag uh, with the chicken, and um, I saw a lone survivor, and I have a whole segment to do on that, but that was my experience out there, and then after we saw that, we got out early enough to where we went to, we go to this cigar shop, which I like in Baltimore, which he showed me, and we smoked a cigar, and then I got dropped off at my hotel and went to do the show Saturday. And that's what that that's that was the Baltimore story. So did see a movie, saw Lone Survivor. I'm going to talk about it, but um, I guess the moral of those, both of those stories is Owning's Mills Mall and Woodlawn movie theaters are are absolutely horrific. And it, it, it don't eat. It's better if you starve. I don't want. It was so bad that I wanted to go to another mall's food court just to cleanse my brain fr from the memory of what I witnessed. It was just dark and dreary, and in the end of this mall that was like abandoned. It looked like daylight. If like where you would go to like have some kind of like shelter. If there was like a zombie apocalypse, like this is the mall that you would try to secure with your like few still human friends while the zombies were knocking on the door. Like this is where you would go during the day, you know, just like a half gated foot locker with like smeared blood on the wall. Like it, it was just, but anyway, all right. So, um, enough, <laughs> Enough of that. I came home. I was actually going to come home Saturday night after the show, but my family was away. My wife went to her uncle's uh, 50th birthday party in um, in Massachusetts, and the kids were at my mom's, so I figured I'll just come home Sunday. Woke up Sunday, got a call from my mom saying my son was sick. He caught a bug. All these kids were throwing up at school. We didn't think our son was going to get it because a couple of days went by. Sure enough, the bug hit him, 
and uh, just tonight the bug landed on my daughter, and she is uh, she's not doing well. So um, I'm thinking during the snowstorm tomorrow, it'll be a miracle if me and or my wife are not puking and having a miserable day. So that's another reason why I figured let's get this podcast out now, because who knows <laughs> what uh, what the next day or two is gonna gonna be here. So. Um. Yeah. It, it was just. It's just scary when you go pick up kids from daycare because it just that, that that shit is so contagious. I walked in to get him, and the teacher goes, "Listen, just gotta let you know." And I'm thinking, "Oh no, did he fall? Did he did he hit somebody? Did he cry? Like what happened?" She goes, "No, I just want to let you know that we only had three of them in today. Everybody went home throwing up. Everybody was really sick, and uh, you know your son's fine, but this and that. And then we, we went home for a couple of days. He was good, and then I guess he it was a delayed reaction. So." Um, that, uh, that is that. Now, I, uh, I drove out there. I've been driving because of, you know, I, I, my, my, my limit is, I guess, like six or seven hours is my limit to drive now. So, like, Pittsburgh and Cleveland are as far as I'll drive before getting on a plane because it doesn't make sense to, to pay for that flight, which was by getting there and out, you know, I look at it like this. If you're going to Cleveland, right? It's a seven-hour drive from New York. If you fly, I got to drive a little over an hour to the airport. Get there an hour early. So right there, that's two hours. Then you get on the plane, and you got about a two-and-a-half-hour flight. So that's four-and-a-half hours. Okay, and by the time you get out of the airport once you land, you're probably talking that whole day and sequence is going to take about four-and-a-half to five hours. I'd rather go at my own pace. I left, you know, when I went to Cleveland, I left my house at, um, you know, 10 o'clock or whatever. And you get there. So, but one thing I'm doing is I got to get rid of my car. My car is a problem. And I got to tell you, man, I'm going to talk about cars for a second here. Because I figured it out, the car. I figured out the car situation. I did. Now, I, I drive right now. I drive a 2012. I drive a 2012 gray um, Nissan Maxima. It's a powerful car, almost 300 horses. The shit just goes. It's a V6, and uh, I wanted to get a V6 because, um, you know, I just, it, I just wanted that, you know, wanted the power, wanted the speed. So I, I am not kidding you guys. The greatest car I've ever driven, ever. I don't know if I mentioned this before, but I'm, I'm telling, I figured it out. The best car out there for money and for for comfort and just for everything is a Toyota Camry and people told me that the best car I ever drove in my life was a 2010 Toyota Camry and it didn't have a six cylinder it had an upgraded four cylinder engine and I guess what that meant was like there was no hesitation like it just like it was a it was like this really nice easy four cylinder so like if you went up a hill it didn't struggle if you started to speed you know the way some four cylinders go like ah, and it's like it didn't do that shit and I and every time people drove my Camry it was like it was glass it was quiet it was amazing it was good on gas it was smooth it was still very nice big sedan which I like it's basically, somebody told me that the Camry, because it is Lexus, it, that it's basically the ES350, the Lexus, the ES base model. You know, same fucking, you know, same engine, all that stuff. And I'm, and I'm going, I'm driving this car, which is way more expensive. It's, it's a, almost a $40,000 car. And it's fast. It's not nearly as smooth. It's not nearly as quiet. And it's not that much, it's not even more comfortable. The Camry was more comfortable. So I'm saying to myself, you know what, fuck it. I'm, I want another Camry. I do. I was like, I want a Camry. And this Ridgefield, uh, Ridgefield uh, Connecticut BMW had one. Had a nice black one. 40,000 miles on it. Beautiful car. Clean. Mint. It was a 09. 40,000 miles on it. I went there to look at it. The thing was sick. I was like, man, I would drive this thing to 200,000 miles, wherever I got to go. I love it. Let's just do it. I don't need a fucking forty, fifty thousand dollar car with a V six that is not even as comfortable. That's the thing. If the Maxima that I was driving, there's probably somebody who like works for Nissan that turned this off already. If if the car that I'm driving was as comfortable as the car that I had before the 2010 Camry, I would I would stay with it. I would be like, you know what? 
yeah, it's a V6 and it's worse on gas, but it's it's an amazing car. Like, but it's just not. And I knew from when I first got it, I was like lying to myself. I'm like, yeah, it's almost got fuck that. Toyota Camry. It's it's or a Lexus. I mean, if you're gonna get a Lexus, a Lexus is, is great too because a Lexus and Toyota are the same. I mean, all a Lexus is is a Toyota with all the luxury bells and whistles and all that stuff. More sleeker, sporty, you know, designs and stuff. But, um. Yeah, so I'm doing that because I, I got to tell you, driving even three hours when you're in something like that, it just drives itself. And um, no, I'm not going to work for Toyota tomorrow. I just, I just had to. I just look. I'm shooting the shit. I just had to tell you. And then I got a phone call today that the car got sold today. So now I got to go find another fucking one. Um, speaking of cars, unacceptable for the week, everybody. Here we go. Twenty five minutes in, unacceptable for the week. And I hate to do this because um, I was driving a family member's car. <laughs> Not having easy pass is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Okay, first of all, going to Baltimore, I didn't realize what it was going to cost me. They got like a $13 toll. They got an $8 toll. They got fucking two $4 tolls. Okay, on the way back, there was a 13, an 8, a 4, and then 13 to get over to George Washington Bridge to get home. I'm spending like fucking $50 to get to get to home, and I only realized it because I was in a car that didn't have Easy Pass. Okay, it is 2014, get Easy Pass. Unacceptable to see like 8 to 10 lanes clear with people flying through the toll going, you know, whatever, slowing down from 70, going 35 and keep going, which you should do. And then there's a line of people living in 1985 fucking holding quarters and dollars in a line, in a single file line on a toll, wasting an extra 15, 20 minutes. Unacceptable. Get easy pass. I don't know what state you live in, but I'm sure if it's not easy pass, you have one of those other things where you just go through the toll, you know, I actually think that as time develop, like as time goes on, they should develop something where, like, they just scan the car as it goes under, and they just roll all the tolls into the fucking monthly payment of the car or something. I don't know. Let's come up with something where nobody's got to stop. Come on, you know we're like two years away from cars flying, and we got to sit in line, a single file line. To only, only to get to a fucking employee who's chewing gum and either looks pissed off that they're there or laughing, listening to the radio. This one lady, it was like a comedy. She was talking to her girlfriend. She was just chewing gum. She's like, uh, I know. I know. Be eight dollars. Be eight. I know. I know it. And I'm just sitting there going, holy shit. Why am I in this lane right now? Get easy pass unacceptable to not have it. It really is. Waiting in line to go somewhere in a car now is unacceptable. Doesn't make any sense. Doesn't make any sense. And the worst thing is if you're if you're if you're on like the George Washington Bridge or if you're leaving Jersey at night and there's they're doing like a a two-lane merge where everybody's got to go into one lane, you're sitting there for 2 miles while people are fucking give, giving $13. It's ridiculous. Got to get easy pass. Unacceptable. Not having it. It's unacceptable. Uh, and I don't know if they have Easy Pass and certain like I think I think it's other names of other things. At one point, I got so mad that I didn't have it that even in a family member's car, I was just like, I'm going through the ones that just detect it. And like I'll send the money. I'm not waiting. I'm not waiting. I can't. I can't. <laughs> I can't wait. I can't wait. Got shit. I got places to go. I can't do it. Get easy pass. Unacceptable not having it. It's 2014. They should come with the car. How about that? I'm going to go as far as saying that. 2014. I want to go to a sales guy and I want to be like, look, man, I'm buying this car from you. I need something to get through tolls without a problem. Okay? You guys are willing to give me a fucking radio that talks to me. You guys are willing to give me navigation that'll let me go anywhere. And I can't I can't have something that just fucking... Can we come up with something, please? That would be a good thing on that show, Shark Tank. Where you got to pitch your invention. Just come up with something on the car. Or come up with a billing fee. That could actually give people jobs. Here you go. I'll create jobs for everybody. They come up with a name, a department, something. Let's say like, you know, ScanPay is the name of the company. Okay? I'll, I'll start from zero here. I'll start, from, I'll start the foundation of the company. Okay? You get something and it's called like ScanPay. Okay? 
And what ScanPay is, is it's a tag that's on every car. And they take away the Easy Path booths and they take away all that stuff. And I know that those people are out of jobs, but I mean, you're doing somebody a favor. You want somebody sitting there fucking 4 o'clock in the morning freezing their balls off. Well, some guy who's fucking half drunk coming from a club says something stupid to them. Ah, long night, right, man? Fucking digging for change in their car because they can't get, can't get it. So you get this thing, right? Was it? I forgot the name of my company, right? Scan Pay. Scan Pay is the name, and they just have a thing, and this is nationwide now. It's nationwide, so there will be Scan Pay headquarters where every car has a tag on there. And all of the, the 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 things that you go under, like kind of like the way Easy Pass is, it just locks in the car, it locks in the PIN number, and it goes directly to the company computer system. And the company sends you a monthly bill of all the tolls that you went through in a 30-day period. Perfect. Done. No more Easy Pass. No more having to have a tag. It's in the car, and you get and you get a and you get a and and then they take care of, it, and then you get a bill or something like that. I like that idea. There you go. It can become like a MasterCard or Visa, big thing like that, big. The state will still get their money. They could still get their money, all that stuff, you know. Because cause think about it. If everybody got Easy Pass, it's the same thing. I mean, all what do you think? The state still gets those tolls from Easy Pass. Let them get the thing from ScanPay. Boom! Just came up with a company. And it will employ a lot more people than are sitting in those booths. Then you could have somebody in a cubicle going, I know, I know. Another piece of Trident, I know. All right, 30 minutes in, unacceptable for the week. Get an easy pass. Stop making this shit difficult. I like that one. That's like an outside-the-box Versi effect, unacceptable. You know, it wasn't somebody being a dick in a store. I kind of went, went a different way on that one. I hope you appreciate it. Now, I got to get into this movie, okay? Um, the only thing that I heard from about this movie was my buddy Chris Lamberth said it was a book and my buddy saw the movie or something or my buddy said that he heard the ending or it wasn't good or something like that let me tell you something right now first of all Chris Lamberth if you're listening to this don't ever take the advice of that friend who told you that because that friend is either a contrarian cunt or has awful fucking taste in movies I'm gonna tell you something right now and my buddy Stavros will will concur on this and um, I don't even know what else to say other than the fact that for two hours we were sitting there and there were times where we laughed. There were times where we were jumping out of our seat. My hand was over my face. I'm not going to lie. It's brutally, brutally violent. It's brutally real. Uh, Peter Berg, the director, spent a ton of time with these Navy SEALs on the base talking to them, talking to this guy who survived, going like through the book. Like, I mean, as meticulous as you possibly can because from the accounts of what the guy said on 60 Minutes to all the things that I read up on it to what happened in the movie all the way to the end, which I actually thought in the end of this movie it got Hollywoodized with how this guy got saved and did survive only to come only to find out that it is actually true how he did and it was unreal. It was uh, incredibly sad. It was sometimes frustrating to watch because of the situation that these guys were in. But um, I, I honestly had feelings in my body walking out of there. And I stood outside the theater and I said to Stavros, I said, that blew me away, man. He goes, me too. Like, we got blown out of the theater. And it was... Um, I don't. I'm not a big war movie guy. See, that's another thing I want to I want to set clear here with this because I'm not a big war movie guy. You know, like some people are like, oh, yeah, it was as realistic or as as intense as Saving Private Ryan, which it was. Maybe even just as real as Saving Private Ryan, maybe more realistic because of the times and us being in Afghanistan and, you know, the, 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 the technology that we have today as opposed to what they had, um, you know, Saving Private Ryan, you know, it was a World War II movie or whatever. So, um, you know, yeah, it was just, I just felt like, um, you you almost felt like the shit they went through could actually be you and one of your buddies. Like it was, it, it's hard to describe, you know. Um, and to be a seal, you know, you choose to be that. And and a cool thing about this movie was at the very beginning. I'm not giving anything away here, but at the very beginning, they actually show actual footage of what Navy SEALs go through. 
Let me just tell you right now, Navy SEALs are the baddest motherfuckers on the face of this earth. Okay, the shit they went through, they put them in pools and drown them to the point where they're unconscious and then they bring them back. They shove them at night in the freezing ocean. These guys are shivering and shaking. They got to hold stuff up until they literally can't do it anymore. Like they literally push their bodies to the closest to like, like it's the most insane thing. I think they have like 80 or 90 guys go for it. And I think only when the whole thing is done, like 20 do it, 20 make it, 15, 20, like 10 minutes into the movie, maybe five minutes into the movie, I leaned over to Stavros and I just whispered to him, I go, Dude, I am such a pussy. Like, I mean, I I felt like I felt like such a bitch because I was cold from the movie theater to the car, and I'm in a fucking North Face jacket. Like, I'm wearing a I'm wearing a jacket that doesn't let wind penetrate it, only to do leisurely fun things, like walk to a mall and go see a movie about heroes. These guys are fucking jumping in the ocean. These guys are getting dropped into mountains of Afghanistan all hours of the night, not knowing if they're going to come back. Uh, amazing. So I, I give you guys a breakdown because this movie really touched me for a lot of reasons. So I'm gonna. This is going to be a long review, and, uh, and and for a couple reasons. Not only do I think it's a great movie that that you know you'll like i think it's a movie that everybody should go and see because it shows a lot about it it gives lessons on life it shows what what the people who fight for us do and i'm not trying to be corny or i'm telling you man this is like this is the shit this is real life shit you know this is the reason why i'm able to go and travel and do stand up and and do it cuz dudes like this get dropped into the mountains of afghanistan to fucking waste these fucking terrorists that want to you know you know, do shit. So anyway, I give you guys a gist of it without giving anything away. It's really out there, so it doesn't matter. Because if you saw the 60 Minutes, it's all over. There, There's interviews all over, and it's a true story. So it's not like I'm giving anything away. It's basically a team of um, Navy SEALs, four of them, got dropped in the mountains of Afghanistan to take out one of, like, the head guys of Al-Qaeda, and I believe this was 2005. And um, they, they're up in the mountains and the way that they could come down the mountain, like on their way down the mountain, they can see this little village where like the target is. And they're like doing all kind of reconnaissance and they're going to, you know, the plan is to take them out. And they land and then their, their plan is to like find, find a bush, camouflage themselves, kind of like sleep. And then when they wake up, it's, you know, obviously the sun's out, they go down, they take the fucking guy out, they call a chopper and they leave. And shit goes awry. Um, they see some people, goat herders, and it compromises everything and they bump into them and then they have a choice of if they're going to kill these guys or if they're going to let them go and there's a big debate on, on that up in the mountain and I'm not going to give that away, but, uh, you know, uh, you know, obviously some shit happened and, and then, and then the, 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 the Al Qaeda guys there knew that there were soldiers there and they were completely outnumbered and there's, and there's, there's scenes that are just fucking intense, incredible, and, um, the whole thing, and, um, it was great, I, I, I couldn't have been happier, I, uh, was so, I don't know, I don't even know what else to say other than I loved it, I thought it was great, I loved it from top to bottom, I didn't think there was even any really corny Hollywood shit, I mean, maybe one or two lines, but, like, not even, like, maybe a couple of words, it was, it was awesome, and then, um, the one thing that really touched home is at the end, you got, you kind of, you know, the way they do that, you see the real people and, um, and, and, and it kind of hit us too. So, uh, lone survivor, man. Uh, that was my first one of, of, uh, 2014. And I'll remember that that was my first one of 2014. Um, you know, I thought that this was way better than zero dark 30. I thought, I, I mean, I wouldn't even, if there was a war movie on right now, I don't even think I'd want to watch it because of the realness and how sick this was. Uh, in a good way, but it is brutally violent, I don't think women would, like, I don't think it's a good, don't take a date to it, you know, and you guys go get, like, filet mignon, have a great talk, you drink a bottle of wine, and go see a movie, and you fucking want to puke, so, it was uh, definitely sad, and, you know, but uh, awesome, so, Lone Survivor, there you go, all the emotions, everything you could ask for, even good acting, I loved it, so, Peter Berg, man, that dude nails it, Peter Berg, like when he does movies like this, and he's like into kind of war movies and stuff, he um, he like gets the details, man. He gets the real shit. 
and it didn't seem like bullshit like propaganda stuff to me it seemed like it didn't seem it didn't seem like the media or hollywood trying to give you a view of what war is or what it should be it just gave you the reality of what happened and then they leave that up to you to decide i mean you all know what war is it's fucking people it's young kids dying for us i mean that's that's really it's awful but this doesn't like kind of depict it in a way where it's like see everybody see it's not like that it's just like no this shit happened on a June day in 2005, and this is an amazing story, and here's what you people should know that our Navy SEALs do for us. Could you, I couldn't imagine. I, seriously, I couldn't do it. Like, like, first five minutes of Navy SEAL training. It's like, all right, everybody take the shirts off. We're going into the ocean. Okay, it's going to be like, you know. 30 degrees, you're going to get hypothermia, okay, you're going to go, the, but this is what it is, I'd be like, dude, can I, uh, is the, is the truck that dropped us off still here, because I, um, yeah, I'm not, I'm not fucking going in here, so, you, you quit, soldier, yeah, that's what I'm telling you, I, I 100% quit, are you quitting on your team, absolutely, I'm quitting, like, so you, you telling me that you just got up, sir, I don't know how to make this clearer to you, I'm fucking out, okay, I'm going home, Okay, I want hot cocoa. I actually want to talk to my mother right now, to be honest with you. So, <laughs> like, fuck that. Like, I'd look at the team and be like, guys, man, I'm sorry. I, just, I can't do this. I'm not doing it. I mean, come on. You're going to do this? I got to get the fuck out of here. <laughs> All right, good luck and shit. I don't know. I mean, you know, I saw one too many movies. I don't know why the fuck I'm here. Okay, I should be telling jokes somewhere. I'm not doing this shit. Okay. You're a disgrace to your country, soldier. F- that, fine. Okay, I can be, but I'm just being honest with you. Like, I made a fucking crucial mistake right now. I love my country. I fight for my country. I mean, can you listen? Can you just give me a gun? Like, let these guys do the training. I'll just, I'll be the unprepared guy that probably, you know, gets shot first. I just, I can't do, I'm not jumping in that water right now is what I'm telling you. Oh, I get, those guys have the balls of, um, unbelievable. Um, then I saw another movie last night. And I want to get into this because um, it was a movie, a new release movie. I guess it was on demand. I was home. So Lone Survivor is the one that I saw. Kind of making up for some of these weeks that I keep missing movies to review with you guys. So I'll talk about another movie here, which um, I saw The Purge. And uh, I went to Rotten Tomatoes. It got awful reviews. But a lot of movies on Rotten Tomatoes gets awful reviews. So I was like, look, I'll check it out. I got nothing to do. I want to, you know, I was in the mood to see something disturbing. And the reason why I was in the mood to see something disturbing was I was in my hotel room in Baltimore this weekend, and I went to bed, and I, I kind of was just laying there, and Rob Zombie, Rob Zombie, I mean, he's like the king of disturbing, but that, that movie, speaking of 2005, uh, The Devil's Rejects, which is really fucked up and insanely disturbing, but that was just on, and nothing else was on, so I kind of just watched it, and it got me in that mode of like, wow, I wonder like how crazier things could get, and I was looking on demand last night for something like that, something just kind of sick, twisted, see what see what's out there, you know, I don't really dabble too much in horror, so I figured maybe to, you know, see what I, see what I can, you know, get into in that genre of movie, and um, there really wasn't anything. So I talked to a buddy, um, my buddy Pete Davidson, funny young comic. He's He's been on the show. And he said, I said, how's this Purge thing? And he goes, well, you know, it was really disturbing, but like, you know, whatever. He, he liked it. And I was just like, I, I got nothing else to do. Let me see. So I put it on. It's Ethan Hawke. And it's basically, you know, about there's 12, one day where everybody can kill you can murder, you can, and any crime, and it's good. And it's basically, it was like something that the forefathers of the United States came up with, uh, or the new forefathers, they called it, like the new regime, like the new government basically came up with this thing, and it made like unemployment was only 1%, crime was at an all-time low, there was no crime, because on this one day, everybody kind of basically cleansed themselves with this purge, and they could just take out all their anger and all their aggression, and it was actually a good idea, that's why I wanted to see the movie, you know, and I gotta tell you, it kind of fell short, you know, it was just like... Obviously, something's going to go wrong and that something's going to happen to that family. And he's like really rich and he sold security systems, which puts his house on lockdown for the day. So he's fine. But then shit goes wrong. And, you know, it, it was just like it was kind of like, come on, man. It was a little silly. Uh, I would say somewhat predictable. 
So um, yeah, not great. You know, it was it entertained me, but I wouldn't I wouldn't be like, oh, you gotta see the per. It, it wasn't like that. So I thought the I thought the premise and idea was way better than what they executed. I thought that with 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 the idea, I thought that they could have done a better job, to be honest. So um, not so much with that one, uh, I would say. But um, yeah, I'm gonna go see Wolf of Wall Street uh, before it gets out of theaters, and they actually brought back Gravity. And I think I'm going to go see Gravity in 3D just, you know, to feel like I'm in a planetarium. I just feel like I'm floating in space. And um, I was talking to my buddy today about this. The, the coming attractions the second time around for Gravity look better than the first time. The first time, it just showed like them floating in space. And I know that's what it is. But at least the second time, they showed Sandra Bullock out of her space outfit actually acting. And you're like, oh, this looks more intense. And they're pro- I don't know if they're doing it just because of the Oscars. I mean, I'm sure they are. But... Um, I just think sometimes coming attractions and trailers are misleading and, and, and it, it hurts them. I think sometimes they think it's smart and deceiving on purpose, but I think that they get it wrong. And I think more people would go, I think the coming attraction should be really to what it is. And the perfect example of that was that movie Flight I saw. Because when I saw Flight with Denzel Washington, um, you know, it, it, was, it wasn't what I thought. I didn't think it was going to be some raging alcoholic. Uh, but I've talked about that before. So, yeah, Lone Survivor, great. The Purge, eh. If you're sitting home bored and you just like the premise and see what happens, I mean, not awful, but not 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 great. You know, it was kind of like just a good idea, but turning into another like, and you know, fucking killing people in a house type shit, whatever. So, um, all right, everybody, let's get to sports here on the Verzi Effect. We'll get to some sports. Um, what can I say? Championship weekend, championship Sunday, with the first game being the Broncos and the Patriots, and the second game being the Seahawks and the 49ers, and I don't want to pat myself on the back here, but I'm going to, a little bit, I can't fully, but uh, as you guys know, before week one, I gave the prediction, I said the Broncos will lose in the Super Bowl to the San Francisco 49ers, and uh, I felt that way up until about 40 seconds left of that Seahawks game because I don't care about how good Peyton Manning's offense is. I think that the defensive line of San Francisco was absolutely determined and possessed and would have shut the Broncos down and uh, got to Peyton Manning. And I think that um, you know the the Broncos defense is not that great so uh, I thought Kaepernick and them would be able to do it and uh, looks like my Super Bowl prediction will fall short now last year I did predict 49ers and Ravens however I had the winner wrong before the season started I said the 49ers would win and in fact the Ravens won this year I said you know the 49ers were going to be the Broncos the 49ers are not there the Broncos are there against the Seahawks and um, I uh, yeah, I mean, I, I just thought the Seahawks are a different team on the road. The Seahawks, um, both teams got to travel, but I just feel like, I don't know. I just feel like Peyton Manning's going to win a Super Bowl in his brother's building. I just feel like that's going to happen, and um, I don't think he would have against the 49ers, but I'm, I'm pulling for the Broncos now, and I I, I, I think that's what's going to happen. So um, Brady and them, it wasn't really a great game. You could tell that Brady just doesn't have the personnel you know, but I got to tell you, man, as great as Belichick is, one of the greatest ever, really is, one of the greatest coaches ever, I thought he made a horrible mistake not kicking a field goal, these guys go for it on fourth down, and then like two quarters later, they're going for two-point conversions, it's like kick the field goal, that's what John Fox said, you kick the, Bill Parcells always said, get the points, get the points, when the points are there in front of you, get the points, especially in a big game, okay, if it's week eight, you know, if it's week eight and you're six and two or seven and one and it's like a fourth and two from like the 35 and you want to go for it, that's fine. When you're in the fucking AFC championship, get the three points, okay? You, I mean, you got a great quarterback who's going to fucking keep you in the game, but you got to get points on the board for him. And um, so I thought that that was a mistake not doing that. And then when they missed the two-point conversion, that killed him. And, um, and in the other game, in the 49er Seahawks game, I don't understand. I'm and I'm gonna. I'm definitely gonna get to the Richard Sherman things. So don't 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 worry about that. Okay, uh, I'm gonna be talking about Richard Sherman. But before I do, 
Kaepernick is down six points, and they're going down the field. They got like a minute 50 left. They got two minutes. There's a two-minute drill. They got two timeouts left. They got a guy who runs like a deer. I call him, that's what I call Kaepernick, a deer. He's a deer. He runs like a deer. And, you know, he was he was making some passes. That that one interception he threw to the left, he wasn't even trying. What was he doing? He just looked over to the left and just threw it to the guy. I mean, it was ridiculous. And then they still had a chance. And they're going down the field, going down the field, making some passes. Running. And then he gets to the 18-yard line with 40 seconds left and two timeouts after going 60 yards or whatever in no time. In no time. So I'm going, oh, my God, dude, they got this. They got this. They're going to win this game by one point. They're going to win whatever, 27-26. They're going to run off the field. They're going to go nuts. They're going to run off the field, get on a plane, fly the hell out of there and stun Seattle and stun these fans with this annoyingly loud place. And, uh, and I, you know, and I had my prediction all intact. I even had some money on the 49ers and I'm ready to go. And, and, and two timeouts left with 40 seconds left from the 18. You got plenty of time. You could have even, I'll tell you this, from the 18 yard line, and I would have liked to see this from with two timeouts, of course, I would never do this otherwise, but with two timeouts from the 18 yard line, you could hand the ball off to Frank Gore. See if he could get you six to eight, then call a timeout, and maybe he gets you that. And then now you're talking, now you're talking, you know, 34 seconds left, first and goal with one timeout, 34 seconds left. I mean, you, and instead he just drops back and he throws to the best cornerback side, who's also got safety help. And I just thought it was a horrible decision, and it was his third turnover, and it showed that he, he wasn't really ready for the moment. He's only a second-year quarterback, but he wasn't ready for the moment. So, um, you know, that fucking commercial with the Dr. Dre headphone beats, you know, I'm the man, I'm the man. Well, apparently not, buddy, so they should stop airing that shit because you're the man who fucking lost the game for your team. That's the man you are. And I'm not trying to hate on the guy. He's had a great... But come on, man. You don't throw over there with 40 seconds left. Don't throw for the end zone with 40 seconds left and two timeouts. Exercise your timeout. At least exercise one timeout. Or they could have lined up, done a play action, got a little drop to Frank Gore. I mean, give Frank Gore the ball in that area a little bit. He's You know, he's going to fucking try to sniff out the end zone. He knows what he's playing for. And instead, Kaepernick just jumps in and throws it off to Richard Sherman who tips it to the guy and the game's over. So that kills me. That kills me, man kills me my Super Bowl prediction was intact and should have happened but what are you gonna do um but now uh my Super Bowl prediction I'll 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 give it to you now I don't care I I think that um I think it's gonna be a good game I think yeah I do, I do think weather I think weather plays a big factor into it you know I think next week if they're saying that there's gonna be snow or if there's gonna be rain uh, the last time Peyton Manning won a Super Bowl, it was one of the most unmemorable, boring Super Bowls when the Colts played the Bears. It was raining. The other quarterback was Rex Grossman. Uh, you guys probably don't even remember that. It was awful. And if the same thing happens in New York, um, you know, who knows? But bad weather can affect Manning. I just think that um, even though they say that the defense is the best, I, I thought the 49ers defense was playing the best right now. And the 49ers offensive line was really fucking... I mean, dude, that dude, Alden Smith, I mean, the first play of the game, fumble recovery, he's like, oh, this is... I mean, those guys were playing possessed, and it's just a shame what happened. And then if fucking Bowman ripped his leg when they clearly should have had the ball at that thing. I mean, they, they didn't even see that guy. Guy had the ball in his hand laying on his back, and they don't see it. And I, two things in the NFL that are ridiculous: the kickoff always going out of the end zone because they moved it up. Why don't you move it back and let the guy catch it at the ten and see what an athlete can do? Go back to the way it used to be. That's number one. And number two, how is that play not reviewable? So they said, you know, in the fumble, and then the guy had, and, and now they said that they're going to look at it and make it reviewable. So make everything reviewable. Fucking review everything and get it right. I don't give a shit. Get it right. That's another unacceptable. I might do that on the night. Get, get the shit right. I don't give a fuck about how long it takes. or you're in, To go to the Super Bowl, a guy's got the ball in his hand. Some mammoth has the ball in his hand. The guy's like a giant. He's holding the ball. Land, but you missed it, and it's not reviewable. So because of that, I mean, luckily, justice was served when Lynch fumbled the, 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 the handoff. 
and and the 49ers got the ball, but th- it shouldn't have had to come to that. A lot of ass-backwards shit in the NFL with calls. And I agree with Bill Belichick on the extra point being silly. The extra point is silly. There shouldn't be an extra point. There really shouldn't. I think they should take... The extra point is so automatic, it's it's literally like 98, 99% of the time. Okay? If a kicker misses the extra point, it's silly. They should take the extra point away. It doesn't make any sense. You know, touchdowns should be... I don't know, just make them either seven points or just make them six points, and every time you got to go for a two-point conversion and play it that way. And then, and then you know, th- then those plays become huge or something. The extra point is just silly. NFL stinks as far as officiating. They, they're, they're inconsistent. They call this, they call that. A guy could be mugged, like when Gronkowski got hugged, but then another time a guy, like, barely, you know, gets grazed and they throw a, they throw a penalty that's a 50-yard pass. Interfe- I really don't like that. I think everything should be reviewable. I think everything should go to the booth. I think they should consult over every every play that, that, that something controversial happens. And you know what? If it takes an extra 11 to 12 minutes in a game, then so be it. At least it's right and the, and the right thing happened. Richard Sherman. Now, a lot of people went on Facebook and a lot of people went on Twitter and were like, I actually liked it. I liked what he did. I, I just thought I just thought that uh, you know, he he uh, you know, he's he's enthusiastic and he he wants to win. Let me tell you something, okay? That was the dumbest boneheaded thing and let me tell you that guy has in that guy has to prove something. There's somebody in his family that never told him that he was good. That guy has to prove something. He's an insecure baby. And you know something? A guy who went to Stanford should know better than that. And and something really does tell me that when Richard Sherman's an old man or an older man, okay, he's going to look at that and go, what was I doing? Screaming, I'm the best, and this and that, and like scaring a reporter and just doing that stupid stuff. It's just so stupid. It's just, it really is so stupid. And I really think if you loved that, then then you're a fucking, then, then you know, something's wrong in your life. If you, lo- if you loved watching that guy just scream, I mean, it, it, listen, for comic, quote, for comedic purposes, it's funny. You know, it's like, it was funny, but I'm talking about like in reality, like if a kid sees, what, what do you do? What would you do if your fourteen-year-old kid who just got into high school like sees that and is trying to play football? Like that's not a, and I mean, listen, the guy doesn't, the guy's not trying to be a role model, but it's just so stupid. Instead of saying, "Yeah, Crabtree, man, he's talking trash. He got nothing on me." Just, all you got to say is, "Yeah, he was talking trash, but we're going to the Super Bowl, man. We're going to the Super Bowl, and they're going home." That, and here's a perfect example of that. When Michael Crabtree sees that, which he, I'm sure he saw. Him and his buddies were probably in his mansion looking at that, laughing, going, what a knucklehead, man. Just take the win. What a knucklehead. That's just foolish and silly. When he would have been really hurt and his friends would have probably clowned him if Sherman would have just said, yeah, man, he was doing some talking, but, you know, they threw it over to my side and we're going to the Super Bowl because of that and uh, they're home now. And I was going to be like, ooh, he got you. But that other stuff just makes him look stupid. And, and I think that that's what people are missing. So, um, you know, look, for entertainment purposes, it's fine. I'm not going to go crazy on it. But I just think people who loved that are just doing that to be like, you know, they, they don't have much going on. Like, they're not seeing the bigger picture of things. They're really not, you know. So, um, that's, the, you know, that's, that's how I feel. And I, I really do think, like, he's going to look back at that. You know, maybe, maybe you know, what about, I, I would, I mean, what if he does a Hall of Fame speech, if he gets to the Hall of Fame? I could see him just going, yeah, you know, you guys know I was a little arrogant, young, and said some stupid things. I bet you, like, that's that, that was that moment. That that moment warrants that, is how I feel. Um, But it was, it was, uh, you know, fun to watch. I didn't have to work. I was able to come right home from Baltimore, watch the two games. Didn't watch the Knicks lose today to uh, the Brooklyn Nets, and I heard they were chanting Brooklyn in the Garden, which is sickening. So I, I don't know what to do. Just, just get it over with. Get it over with. Just do whatever you're gonna do. Get rid of somebody. Don't just, just let's let's start over. I don't, I don't even know. But two weeks away from the Super Bowl, and then no football, no football until late October or, or no, I mean I'm sorry, uh, early September. 
and uh, then it's going to be, you know, and the baseball is going to start up and everything. So maybe I'll just try to get back into the Yankees because what else am I going to do? Can't watch anything else. Can't watch the Knicks. There's going to be no football. I think I'm going to start getting into hockey. I might. I might. Who knows what happens when I go on this Canadian tour? Uh, all right, let's get into some plugs, everybody. Um, just check paulverzi.com. I'm going to be at the stand. I'm going to be local this week. I'm going to be at the. St- I'm going to be at Stand Up New York Friday night. Yes, I'm going to be at the Stand tomorrow. And Stand Up New York tomorrow. Then I am going to be at the at Stand Up New York on Wednesday. I don't know. Check check the check the paulversey.com website, but I'll be a stand up New York in the stand this week and then this weekend, yeah, I'm going to be stand up New York on Friday. I'm going to be hosting both shows uh, 8 o'clock and 10 o'clock at the stand on Saturday night. And then the following week, I believe, I believe it I was t- it was told to me, but I don't really we, we don't see it yet. We didn't get confirmation, but I, I think um, I will be with Joe Matterese at Laugh Boston. Um, in uh, downtown Boston, Massachusetts, on the maybe thirty first and first, the 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 Friday and Saturday before the Super Bowl at Boston, uh, I, I'll confirm that. That'll be confirmed on my website. And then, so, if you're in that area, and I know I have people in Massachusetts listening to this, so um, that should be up and ready. I'll know for a hundred percent fact by tomorrow. So, if you check the website and it's on there, then I will definitely be there. And Joe Matarese will will be headlining that. Um, he had asked me to go with him a while back, so uh, that should be a really fun show. So. Uh, That'll be confirmed tomorrow. So other than that, just check the website. Follow me on Twitter at Paul Verzi. That's V-I-R-Z-I. This has been episode 145. I hope you guys enjoyed it. Uh, do yourself a favor and go see the movie Lone Survivor, but uh, buckle up for it. It's not, um, it's not, it's not easy. It's not easy uh, to see that one. So um, that's it. And, uh talk to you guys soon i hope um everybody has a good week and until then until uh, 146 i am out of here